back in the fur shed for episode 49 of the Trapping Today podcast. Excited, almost the big 5-0. And we are on the eve of the opener of trapping season, the general trapping season here in northern Maine. So it's great to be here. Thank you for tuning in. And the Trapping Today podcast is brought to you by Cots Brothers Lures, K-A-A-T-Z-B-R-O-S.com. Check those guys out. Kyle and Kellen Cots, two brothers, two trappers, two very good operators in the trapping supply business, lure makers, um, just uh, awesome guys to deal with. Check them out, place an order, let them know that you heard about them from the Trapping Today podcast. Thank you, Cots Brothers. And speaking of those boys... Uh, I have a Cots Brothers t-shirt to give away, and we had, uh, remember last episode I mentioned um, we're looking for some reviews on iTunes, so I had several of you uh, write some iTunes reviews for the podcast. Thank you very much for that. It was really, really great to see all those reviews, and what it does is helps other people find out about the podcast, uh, raises this podcast up in the rankings so that's awesome and I have uh, a bunch of names written down on a piece of paper and I thought I would draw them right now I'm drawing the names out of a mixing container that I use to make trapping lure I just pulled this off the lure shelf and wrote down the names of the guys that wrote podcast reviews and emailed me to let me know so here we go the winner of the Cots Brothers Got Skunked t-shirt is Wesley S. All right, Wes. Awesome. Um, I'm going to email you uh, to get your mailing address and uh, the size of t-shirt that you wear, and I'll send that off to you. Great. And thanks for the rest of you guys who who wrote reviews. If you haven't written a review, uh, I would greatly appreciate it, and you could still do that. Um, That would be great. All right, so a little bit about um, me today. I'm a little down on my health, so I might not have the most energy for this podcast. Um, But I just got back from the dock yesterday and having some issues with uh, who knows what the heck it is exactly, but it's it's somewhat it's it's most likely stress related. So uh, just trying to chill out a little bit and focus on things that are. Uh, not going to give me problems. So uh, a lot of lightheadedness and, and dizziness and that sort of thing. So the doc said no going up in a tree stand with a rifle. and That is a big no-no. He said stick to light duty till we get things figured out. And uh, I am going to interpret light duty as setting out Martin traps tomorrow. So I'm going for it. <laughs> but I'm uh, going to take it easy. Always remember uh, being safe on the trap line is, is very important. Um, I'm really motivated to get out there. So if I wake up and I feel good, I'm going. My wife has actually offered to go with the kids and her uh, in the truck uh, for the day. But we're talking a couple hours out in the woods, about six or eight hours of setting traps and a couple hours back. So it would be quite a long day for them. So in the interest of safety, of course, I'm going to have a satellite messenger um, that I'm going to have available to use in the event that something happens. I'm going to be able to get in touch with her, get in touch with the authorities if, if there is an issue. But uh, really, you know, I'm, I'm not feeling too bad. Just going to take it easy. Um, 
you just got to get out there. Most of, of the sets are not too far off uh, from the roads. It can be accessed by a truck. So I'm going to do it. I'm excited, really excited. So today, instead of deer hunting, I have been getting ready for uh, tomorrow's Martin and Fisher trapping uh, adventure. So I thought maybe I would describe to you what I have ready in the back of my truck. I've cleaned out the front of the truck, making room for extra clothing, for a variety of, a bunch of food and water and variety of different things uh, that maybe aren't aren't going to go in the back of the truck. I got a little Ford Ranger with about 200,000 miles on it. So um, it's uh, it's a small area of storage in the back of the truck and, and um, kind of just uh, don't want to overload it too much. The back of the truck has approximately 15 or 16 Martin boxes, so those are Lynx exclusion devices we are required to use here in Northern Maine. And uh, basically, what I did, if you ha- if you heard from previous episodes, I left a, a bunch of those boxes out in the woods. But some of the problem associated with that is I had some animals chewing on the boxes while they were left out there over the course of the the last uh, several months. So I have to replace boxes that were damaged. Some of them are going to be fine, and I'll be able to continue to use them. But I've got those uh, ones in the back of the truck to available to replace um, what I cannot use, and I'll bring those damaged ones back and see what I can do with them. So the goal tomorrow, you know, I I could I have a bunch of 120 body grip traps all ready to go, uh, tags on them. Most of them have Connie pans on them. Uh, they're all sorted out in a, a plastic tote. I have the same thing with 160s. Got a bunch of them. In theory, I if all the boxes, if enough boxes were in decent shape, I could make uh, 60 sets tomorrow. Um, not having been able to prepare things ahead of time, more realistically, if my health is good and I get the energy, I'm probably looking at about 30. About 30 sets would be probably a good day. So that's what I'm going for. Just going to get up first thing in the morning and head on the road and and uh, have a good day, have a good time, enjoy myself. So I've got those boxes. Um, the next thing is uh, boxes and traps. The next, next thing is bait. I have a couple of different things that I'm using for bait. So I, I want to use a variety of bait, and I caught and got a hold of a whole bunch of beaver carcasses last winter, late winter, early spring, and I uh, deboned that meat, I ground it up, I mixed it with preservative sodium benzoate, and um, I, I preserved a bunch of that beaver meat to uh, hold over to, for trapping season. So I'm going to use uh, some of that, but that, that mainly was, you know, wanting to have my bait taken care of ahead of time so that when trapping season came, I wouldn't be rushing trying to figure out where the heck I was going to get bait that I could readily have access to. Um, However, I was fortunate that I got my hands on a good source of bait a couple, few weeks ago. Uh, there was a roadkill moose that I was able to get permission to uh, to take, and it was too far gone. It was it was hit really hard, and didn't get a hold of it until it was a, uh, it was started to uh, 
started to get a little stinky. So it was not rotten or anything, but it was just a, you know, not quite usable for uh, eating. I was able to save a little bit of meat, but most of the meat just was not going to be good and fit to eat. So I cut that up into a bunch of chunks, like a chunk probably for the, to bait one of these boxes. I'm using a chunk between one and two times the size of my fist. So I want a pretty good chunk of meat there. And I cut all those up and I put those in the freezer because I wanted them to be semi-fresh. I didn't want, and we had a little bit of spell warm weather before it cooled off. And I wanted those to be kind of uh, fresh and just kind of starting to break down a little bit, getting a little bit of smell. But, um, you know, Martin and Fisher, I've had very poor luck with rotten meat. And some places rotten meat is, is used successfully. Um, most places seems to be tainted to some extent. Uh, but here in Maine, um, lightly tainted toward fresh is probably preferred by most people and is probably the most effective. That's not to say you won't do well with rotten meat. You could. Um, but as a general rule, I'm trying to go towards something a little bit less rotten. So this moves me really fit the ticket for that. Um, I also, you know, we've had an incredible year for partridge. Uh, we call them partridge. Uh, a lot of people call them rough grouse. Uh, they've been very abundant this year and out hunting, been able to kill a lot of birds and was able to save uh, carcasses, parts of the uh, the bird that are not um, edible. So I've got those for bait and also had a few egg laying chickens here at home that I had to take care of because they were no longer laying eggs. They're really old. So uh, I killed those and those are going to be used for bait as well. So I've got a variety of bait, a variety of different stages of decay. I do have some real stinky stuff in case um, in case I need to try that. But, but for the most part, I think this bait's going to work pretty good. Now, we have had a really, really massive cold spell here for late October. And it's actually been dropping down... Uh, to the 20s to the teens overnight. Actually, last night was or 12 or 13 degrees. Uh, when I get up this morning, it's about 12 or 13 degrees out. For late October, even up this far north, that's pretty cold. And uh, the daytime highs have been in the 30s, usually a little bit above freezing. And what that, I think, is going to do is going to set us up quite nicely for trapping because we, have, we already have animals that are pretty uh, hungry because there's not a heck of a lot of food out in the woods and the cold weather really seems to get the fur bears moving this time of year. So I'm pretty excited about that and I think uh, as long as they can find the set and uh, they're so inclined I think we're gonna I'm gonna do do fairly well catching fur but you can never figure that out until you actually get out there and do it. So I'm not gonna make any predictions whatsoever I'm gonna have a good time I'm going to try to be as good and as successful a trapper as I can be. Um, try to continue to learn all the way through, and uh, we'll see what happens. All right, so the next thing I have is I have a like a three-gallon pail with all of my trapping lures in it. And as you probably already know, I'm really not a one-lure type guy. I, I really... I like to to learn, you know, I make trapping lure, 
but that doesn't mean that's the only lure that's going to work. It doesn't mean it's the best. I want to try a bunch of different lures from different lure makers, uh, well-known and not so well-known, because every lure is a little different, and you never know what's going to work. Uh, every situation is different. So I think uh, as trappers, we're well-served to try different things. So I'm going to go over a little bit of what my lure bucket consists of. The first thing I have here is, of course, my long-distance predator call lure. Uh, that's Trapping Today Lures Long-Distance Call. It's stuff I sell on trappingtoday.com. You can also find it on eBay. Um, it is a grease-based long-distance call. It is pretty much loaded with skunk essence. Uh, it's a, a food-grade lithium grease that uh, that is the skunk essence that, that makes up the base of the lure. A bunch of skunk, and it's also got a, a variety of different musks to attract predators. And the purpose of the call lure is to get these animals in from a long distance. Now, if you are you pinpointed a fur bear and you know they're coming to an area, you really don't need LDC to uh, to get them into your set. But for for this type of trapping I'm doing, this big woods, we don't seem to have a lot of well-established travel patterns with the exception of uh, maybe a few uh, funnels from timber harvesting that, that force animals to cross uh, streams at different areas and cross roads at different areas. Um, with the exception of that, we we pretty much, you know, they could, the Martin and Fisher could be anywhere. So the, the long distance call lure is pretty critical. The other thing about the LDC lure is this stuff is very weatherproof with the grease base. It's waterproof, it's freeze-proof, and so this is going to hold up to uh, a wide variety of conditions. And what that means is you don't have to put it under cover. You can put it a gob of it out on a branch of a tree. And that's that's what I do. So what I'm going to do when I go up to a set, I'm going to set my box, my bait, and everything, and I'm going to lure a tree branch above my set, usually within six, you know, five, six feet of where the trap is. So I want to be relatively close, but I want to be up above and away from it. So the purpose of that lure, that long distance call lure, is going to be to get the animal into the set location. But I don't want it right on the bait because it, it can be overpowering over the bait and it can also um, maybe cause them to lose interest if you have this really strong skunky lure that's sitting right on top of some bait. Uh, if if the animal is not all that hungry, it might cause them to kind of uh, shy away from it. So we want to get that up high uh, in the set area and get them in. Now, by that point, usually your bait's going to do the work. And if you have a good bait and the animal's hungry, they're going to come in and there's not going to be any issues. Um, but as you know, I had a lot of issues last year with refusals at these with these Lynx exclusion devices. Uh, they, they're a wooden box with a very small opening, four inches by four inches, and they require the animal to go through that opening and then go approximately 18 to 20 inches before hitting the trap. Um, and the bait is, is, of course, just behind the trap. So a lot of animals were circling these boxes and not wanting to go in. So I came up with, uh, I thought about it a lot this this winter, 
last winter and this spring and summer and uh, what I did was I came up with a little bit of homemade gland lure for these uh, these Martin and Fisher and and what I was hoping is that by putting in addition to the LDC lure that's going to be above the set actually in the box um, putting this gland lure in in that area and in, in behind the trap near the bait in order to kind of send the signal to a Martin or Fisher that hey another Martin or Fisher has been in this box and okay first of all I'm thinking territorial like and this is my area and what the heck are they doing there I need to go check that out or maybe well I want to go in that box it looks good I smell the bait smells good but I'm nervous about it but hey I can smell that another animal similar to me has been in there so it's probably pretty good so basically all I did was I took uh, the glands from all the Fisher and Martin and weasels that I caught uh, last winter and I blended them up in a food processor I mixed them with glycerin and I put in a couple of different musks and I mixed that all all around and I kinda let that set the musks were quite overpowering at first and they've really mellowed down and kind of um, seem to have worked in with the glands over the last few months and so I'm really excited about this uh, this gland lure I'm gonna give it a shot so that's those are my two lures and then I have several other lures that that I'm gonna go with I get the Cots Brothers lures Toxie Dog Predator Call lure so this is I believe it's a fox gland based lure it's just a general overall predator call. It smells pretty good. Uh, I'm going to give that a shot just to, to try and uh, mix things up. I also have the 1-800 Cots Brothers Lures 1-800 Predator Call Lure. That 1-800 lure is like, it's a really, seems like a really watery liquid type lure. And it doesn't smell super strong. So um, I, I just want to give it a shot and try to figure out you know what it smells like when it's actually out there because um, a lot of times these lures you can you can sniff bottles all all day long and and uh, you may get a, some information out of that but you may not be getting the the complete signature of what that lure is capable of doing so I'm gonna try that out um, watery water based lures don't work great for my application because um, I'm I'm dealing with a lot of material I put lure on like wood that's going to soak that up but we'll try it out in a couple places and we'll see how it works uh, one option is to use something like a pipe cleaner or uh, cotton balls or I have some sheep's wool I may actually um, that's a good good reminder I'm going to throw some sheep's wool in my in this bucket for lure application so I got those the other thing I picked up a cheap bottle of old old lure it's Hawbaker's weasel lure and the only reason I got this is because I was looking at uh, Neil Olson's Trappers Convention this summer, and I was asking around to everybody out there. I said, "I said, who who makes a lure that actually contains actual weasel glands? Because you got a lot of lures that a lot of lures, you know, are, have mink gland as the base. Um, you're not going to see probably any Martin and Fisher gland-based lures because, or weasel, because those animals are." not found in great quantities uh, most of those mink glands come from mink ranches so they're very uh, there's a very abundant supply and they're easy to get because they come from one 
one person, one place that collects them. Uh, to commercially collect enough weasels to make a weasel lure, it would not be possible uh, on, on any large scale to speak of. So I got that, hoping that those are some weasel glands to kind of um, supplement my Mustela gland lure I made. And I got a few others. I have uh, Lennon's, Lennon's Martin Super All Call. This is from John Chagnon at PCS Outdoors. And this is a really, really, really unique um, scent that this call lure has. And I actually used this a couple years ago, and I did not have good luck with it, but it was my fault. Um, I, I believe it was my fault because I placed it out in the open. I had these, I was using these cages for Lynx exclusion devices, and I... I, it really needs to be covered up. It's not meant to withstand heavy rain. We got like two inches of rain, and it it uh, it kind of lost its lost its power. So um, now I'm I've got these wooden boxes, and I'm gonna use this Martin lure inside the boxes. I'm really excited about it. I don't I I keep trying to figure out what the heck is in this that gives its its unique scent and I really don't know but it's an old secret from uh, Herb Lennon's original lure formulas that John Chagnon is continuing to produce so um, I've got that let's see what else I have Adirondack Trapper Company probably somebody you've never heard of he's a guy I mentioned from uh, New York that trapped for Martin out in Wyoming and it's, he has this Martin. It's it's actually Bobcat, Coyote, Fox, and Fisher, but uh, he he uh, he sold me a bottle. Said it would be great for Martin. He uses it for Martin, and uh, it's called Onchiota Blast. So um, I'm gonna use that. That smells really good as well. It's got. Uh, he actually told me a bunch of the stuff that's in it, and you can you can kind of pick that apart. Um, it's it's got a lot of caster in it. It's uh, it's a lot of a lot of unique sense to it and then I got A.R. Clark who is also at Neil Olson's and he's got Mink and Martin A.R. Clark's Wild Animal Lures The Last Step Line and this one you can tell it's a heavy mink gland based lure so that's something else that I'm going to try and finally um, I think that's it for my lures but I've got a bunch of bottles of fish oil from Cots Brothers and these I got fish oil in these uh, 16 ounce squirt bottle containers and the fish oil is what I use at the Martin boxes as a trailing scent so I'll I'll set up my box I've got my bait my trap set and everything's ready to go I got my lure and then um, I think it, it's just a little bit of added uh, attraction where if an animal's coming in to work the area, uh, you squirt. You know, Bob Noonan kind of mentions this in in the past. He's mentioned this in some articles where he'll squirt a line of fish oil out away from the trap, and as the animal's coming in, it just kind of gives them something to follow into the box in case they're having a hard time finding it. I guess um, I figure fish oil is not that expensive and it can't hurt. So I'll give it a shot. Uh, most of what I use is uh, Alaskan salmon oil that I get from Cots Brothers. And the reason I like it is just because Alaskan salmon oil has a lower freezing point. 
And then finally, one last thing that I'm trying, and I just made up this lure, and it's going to be this simple. If this works, it's going to be the simplest lure that you could ever imagine. Maybe I'll even sell it. <laughs> um, I took this lure in the house and had my wife smell it and my little boy smell it, and she said it's the only trapping lure that is not objectionable <laughs> that she's ever smelled. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, so you could almost, you know, that could be like a beauty product, and it could be. What it is is from Cotts Brothers. Again, I bought, I bought um, a bottle of strawberry oil, and I took my grease base that I used to make my long distance call lure, and just with that base, I mixed in a couple ounces of strawberry oil with some of that grease, and uh, whipped it right up to like a taff, a light taffy consistency, and boy, does that have an unbelievably sweet good sweet smell smells just like strawberries so the goal with that is just another added attraction to try to get martin um, into these boxes we know martin do have a sweet tooth and during the season they can uh, be found feeding on raspberries and strawberries and and of course nuts and and a variety of other foods that are not they're not just predators um, even though most people uh, consider martin a predator and for the most part they that that makes up the majority of their diet but they do like sweets too um, a lot of other martin trappers in other areas have been able to um, produce results with with like raspberry jam strawberry jam so that's what i'm trying here and it's what it's going to do is just provide you know a little change up a little something different i won't use it everywhere i'll probably try it at a few boxes um, and see what happens and that's another great challenge is trying to figure out, okay, what did I use at what set? So that's going to be part of the record keeping I'm going to have to keep track of tomorrow. Um, the the trade-off there is trying to maximize the quality record keeping um, so you know uh, where you put certain lures and details on those areas and then, and then where you caught animals so you can try to make some uh, correlations and look at patterns later on after you know later in the season or after the season to help you make better decisions uh, figure out which lure works best where and and so on uh, but you don't want to spend 20 minutes at each set trying to keep take records because then you're not going to get enough sets out so I'm going to try to be quick and, and just make a quick note of what I use where when I mark my sets Speaking of marking sets, so like I mentioned, um, I am going to try to use Onyx Maps Hunt app this year on my trap line, and it's kind of neat. They actually have, I, I found a special waypoint they have that trappers can mark a waypoint as a trap location in the app, and uh, if this all works, I'm going to be able to just use my phone as my GPS for checking uh, marking trap locations and everything and and the beauty of that is is it's so easy to download aerial imagery that you can have while you're out there on the trap line um, and and all that so I I did a little test run I when Cole and I were out in the woods the other day I marked uh, I don't know probably a dozen areas and tomorrow I'm gonna go back I'm gonna have my GPS with me and I'm also going to have the phone with the Onyx map, and I'm going to see how they line up. I'm going to see if the waypoints are as accurate on the phone, uh, which they ought, they should be, and make sure everything works well. 
Um, I am running into one little issue uh, with with the app, and that is I was I was kind of surprised. I was really it was so easy. I took I took all of my waypoints from last year's trap line um, that were on my GPS. I have a Garmin Oregon 450, and I plugged that into the computer, and I was able to download all of those from that GPS onto my computer desktop. And then I went into OnX and I uploaded a GPX file onto the OnX web app. So again, the OnX product is 30 bucks a year, and it gives you um, the the mapping landowner information for one state and the mapping capabilities to use your phone as a GPS and have all the background images and everything. And it's basically a GPS on your phone, and it also uh, syncs. The reason I want to use it so out of these that all of your waypoints from the GPS are synced onto the web. Now the only issue I've had is I'm having trouble. I was able to pull in all of my waypoints from my GPS on about 60, 65 trap site locations into the web app and on Onyx Maps and it shows up and they're all there on the app and it's beautiful. All my GPS waypoints are there. Now what's supposed to happen is you pull that app up on your phone and those are all supposed to show up automatically on your phone. So it's it's supposed to sync to your phone. Um, mine's not quite syncing. So I get a message into product support and uh, they've gotten back to me. They're going to work on it. So hopefully we could get that figured out. Maybe it's just something I'm doing wrong. Um, but if that starts to work, uh, this is going to be a really, really awesome product. And speaking of them, I just listened to my brother-in-law, Matt, and uh, the owner of Onyx and another guy. The three of them were on Steve Ranella's podcast, uh, the Meat Eater podcast. So just recently they recorded an episode about Onyx Maps, and, and uh, partway through listening to that is really some interesting stuff about the history and uh, what the company's all about. Really good company. Now, I want to go over a few emails from listeners that I've gotten recently, and uh, really excited. I mean, in addition to you guys putting those reviews up on iTunes, that really makes me feel great. But, I mean, some of the the support and and uh, just the kindness and, and interest that people show, send me emails, um, it's really exciting, and, and I really enjoy hearing from you. Uh, you can contact me at jrodwood at gmail.com. That's J-R-O-D-W-O-O-D at gmail.com. Uh, with any questions or comments about the podcast. But I wanted to uh, just share quickly something from Bruce. And uh, Bruce, has we've emailed in the past, and he s- sent me pictures of, uh, of his coon hunting. And I... Bruce is, is a regular listener to the podcast, and I really, really appreciate hearing from him, love hearing from him, and uh, I, was, I was really excited to hear this story. Um, anyway, Bruce lives in Iowa. He They hunt coons uh, with hounds. They have a really nice set of hounds. He's got a, a wife and a couple young daughters, and they've been listening to the podcast together, so that is really awesome. It's great to hear. But the most exciting thing for me was uh, after uh, a little while listening to the podcast and and you know getting thinking of more about trapping, Bruce grew up trapping when he was younger and he hasn't done it for a very long time. 
and uh, his wife surprised him for their 14th anniversary, and uh, they went over uh, to the snare shop in Iowa and bought a bunch of supplies, a bunch of trapping stuff, and he's going to get into trapping again. So uh, and that is just so awesome. That makes me feel so good. And uh, that you guys are listening, and that and that Bruce, that you're gonna be able to take your kids out uh, checking traps. That's just really cool. So um, it it's great to be able to uh, see people get more excited about trapping and and actually get out and and do some trapping. And uh, I I just love to hear that. Thank you so much, and I look forward to hearing how you do. Uh, another email, Chris from North Carolina. We've been talking. A lot. Uh, he was getting into different types of trapping, and he started beaver trapping. And it it took a long time, but finally, Chris sent me a picture of his first beaver, and that was really awesome, Chris. Um, I'm so glad that you were finally made a catch. And you know what? All the mistakes that you mentioned are mistakes that I've made, and and most of us have made. Uh, you can watch trapping videos. You can hear people talk about it in a podcast. You can read about it. Uh, the best learning is doing, in my opinion, and that's what you did. You went out there and you did it, and you kept on going, and uh, and you caught that first beaver. And I'm sure, I'm, I'm absolutely positive, you keep working on it. You're gonna you're gonna have a lot of success. So thanks very much, Chris, for sharing that with me. And finally, uh, I had an email from Andy that uh, included a few different questions. Andy is up in Minnesota. And he's trapped in an area that has uh, both Bobcat, Fisher, and Martin. And he's talking, he had a few questions about uh, uh, cubby sets and and catching Bobcats and Fishers. And you, I think what he was wondering was, was can you catch both in the same set? And you absolutely can uh, catch both Bobcat and Fisher in the same sets. And then he was asking... Uh, is there a way to keep fishers away from those cubbies uh, and still catch bobcats? Because I guess you guys in Minnesota, sometimes you have a pretty limited fisher season, uh, but your bobcat season goes longer. Um, really, there's as far as I know, there's not going to be a way to do that. Um, in a cubby, in a baited cubby set, a fisher is gonna gonna be just as interested in that set as a bobcat will even if you're using bobcat urine or or a bobcat uh, lure i think you're you're still gonna have a chance of catching fishers there so uh, it's easy to go the other way you can go uh, you can catch fisher and avoid bobcat if you set that cubby way up in a tree you know on a on a pretty steep angle on a small pole uh, or a small diameter tree that's pretty easy because fisher will climb readily bobcat won't really climb a small diameter like that, uh, but it's hard to exclude fishers. Um, the only way that that I could see that working is if you moved over to away from body grips and two foothold sets, and you'd have to make uh, more of a like a walkthrough set and something where you did not use bait. Um, I mean, you could use foothold set baited, I guess, and uh, if it was legal in your situation. And you could release Fisher. I've released Fisher out of footholds in, during early coyote season here. Uh, I've, I released two of them when I was first getting started, and they're they're pretty mean, but um, they they get off and they run away. They're pretty easy to release, um, relatively. But to 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 really th- have confidence that I would I could catch a cat and not a Fisher, 
I think I would be looking at something like uh, sort of modifying the Western walkthrough set for Bobcats. Like you see like John Graham trapping in that Rimrock country when he was over in Montana. He had a video uh, where where he do kind of a walkthrough area where it's kind of there's a visual attractor, maybe a little bit of cat lure, but no bait. And uh, the cat would walk through and step over a foothold. Uh, lots of lots of guiding sticks and rocks and stuff. Uh, that that is a case that would work. Um, there's there's something called a rub set for bobcats, um, where they're rubbing up against a, a post or or um, another object. Uh, that could work as well. But uh, with a baited uh, anything with like a meat type bait, it's going to be hard to avoid fishers if you got them in the area. And finally, Andy's other question was uh, about bait freezing in in cubby sets. Is there a way to keep it fresh longer and um, and keep it smelling longer uh, before freezing? Or, or I assume he was talking maybe keeping it from freezing. So uh, yes, yes, and yes, uh, Andy. But it may not be necessary. So. It was kind of interesting. I was reading in Russ Carmen's uh, one of Russ Carmen's lure making books, and he brings up a pretty good point about freezing versus not freezing, and, and it's something that uh, we don't. I don't really think about much. I, I always assumed that uh, something that's not frozen is automatically going to give off more scent than something that's frozen, and that's not necessarily the case. So R- Russ argues that. And, and, and this guy is a legend in the lure making industry so uh, we get anything he says I think needs to be taken uh, very seriously uh, as far as its credibility and and he says uh, at a given temperature say you're talking at zero degrees a frozen lure will give off the same amount of scent as an unfrozen one so uh, the best way of keeping lures from freezing is typically you're going to use glycerin. So if you if you mix glycerin with uh, with your lure and then you have one that's not mixed, uh, at that temperature they're going to give off the same scent, the same amount of scent. Uh, I think you could say the same for bait. A frozen chunk of meat is going to smell. I had uh, actually salvaged a, a moose that was in rough shape uh, year last year. And I, it was starting to smell pretty bad. And I got it in, I chunked it up, got it in the freezer. And even when I pulled that thing out of the freezer, uh, a couple weeks later, it was frozen solid and it still stunk. So if you have something that's that's has the potential to give off a lot of scent, I think Martin and Fisher are, and Bobcats for that matter, uh, predators are going to be able to smell that even when it's frozen. Now, if you want to keep it from freezing, uh, you can mix with glycerin, and the best way to do that is to grind that bait, grind up that meat, and and then mix the ground meat up. Uh, I I should have looked at this, uh, the the actual amounts, because I can't remember the exact details. I know I did a YouTube video on this a while back, and uh, let's see if I can find the the recipe. So. Let's see. It looks like about 16 ounces of glycerin to a gallon of bait will will um, 
be adequate to antifreeze, keep that from, from freezing. So 16 ounces to a gallon. Um, that, that should work pretty effectively and then it'll keep your bait from freezing. But I don't know that it's going to give off more scent necessarily. Um, now another option is to take uh, something that's volatile. Like, like if you're looking at a lure and you want it to give off more scent, you're going to mix it with something volatile like uh, alcohol. Pure grain alcohol is probably the best. You could use a vodka, um, Everclear. But if you if you mix alcohol with say with with any substance like lure, uh, this would this would work for components of like ground meat where you have a lot of uh, portions of that meat that's going to come into contact with the alcohol. That will cause the mixture to kind of uh, become more vol volatile, meaning the scent will will carry further quicker. Um, uh, the the downside to that is it's going to dissipate more quickly than something that does not have the alcohol mixed in it, but the colder weather is going to slow down that that scent uh, dispersal. Um, so so that'll that would help uh, to get that scent carrying. I've actually thought about making uh, a long distance call lure with some alcohol component to it for those guys up in northern Canada and Alaska that that really uh, have go like 30 or 40 below. Um, but I uh, haven't haven't needed it here in northern Maine as of yet. So anyway, uh, Andy, I would say the simplest thing is just uh, have faith that your your bait's gonna smell enough to uh, to get the job done. And if you you're worried about that, uh, probably the easiest thing for you to do is get a good skunky lure. You said you said you use Gusto. Gusto is a great option. And uh, stick that when it's really cold. You can put that right on the bait. I know I don't do that early in the season, but later on when it gets really cold. Putting that right on the bait is is not going to hurt, and it's going to help them locate the bait a little more. All right, so that is pretty much it. I'm uh, I'm really glad to hear from you guys. Uh, thanks again for your support. I don't know if I I don't think I mentioned this. Um, we uh, topped over twenty five thousand downloads for the the podcast since we started. So over 25,000 total downloads. That is really awesome. A lot of people tuning in and it continues to grow every week. So uh, tell a friend um, about the Trapping Today podcast and uh, thanks for tuning in. I'm really excited about trapping season and I, I look forward to giving you updates on how things go and uh, keep on thinking trapping, talking trapping, and we will catch you the next episode.